0: Physician stress and burnout is reaching epidemic proportions in the United States. Welcome to Clinicians Roundtable. I'm your host, Dr. John Russell. I'm joined today by Dr. Timothy Brigham, and we will discuss this problem and possible solutions for it. Dr. Brigham, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm very glad to be here with you. So, what is your background?
1: My background, it depends on how far back you want to go. My background educationally is I started off as an English major, with a, then actually went to, and got a Master of Divinity at a seminary and a Master's of Counseling and Human Relations and my Ph.D. in Psychological Studies and Education from Temple University. But my background experientially is I was for three years a behavioral scientist in the Department of Family Medicine at Temple University, and then for 19 years a Senior Associate Dean at Jefferson Medical College in Philadelphia, where my first job was actually running stress management groups for all interns and all specialties. Currently, I'm at the ACGME as the Senior Vice President for Education and Chief of Staff.
0: So you've been working on physician stress now, say, about 25 years. Is that more or less? Yeah, it it actually comes out to closer to 30, I think, when you put together the 19 years at Jefferson and the nine years I've been here. It's about 28 years. So 30 years ago, I don't think that this topic had as much play as it does right now. or do you, Would you agree on this? It's, it seems to be a much more timely, much more problematic problem.
1: Yeah, it, it did not. And it was just an amazing serendipitous event that the chairs at Jefferson all got together and really read the literature that nobody else was reading and said, we could have a potential problem with interns and their stress levels. So we need somebody to do this. And from there, I actually was one of the first people at an international AMA conference on physician health to give a talk on resident stress and we didn't use the term burnout then, but it was resident stress and anxiety, etc. Jefferson was at the forefront of that and over time it was difficult to sustain that in the literature because people just weren't writing about it.
0: So how big a problem is it right now in American medicine?
1: It's a really big problem. I'll artificially divide two groups of people. One are the residents and fellows and physicians in training and the second one is practicing physicians. I mean, we are north of 50% of practicing physicians having symptoms of acute burnout. And burnout is a workplace-related disease. If we were doing anything else, if more than 50% of physicians had the flu based on their work in the hospital or their ambulatory setting or wherever they were, we'd be on that like lint on a dark suit. We're just delatedly coming to the realization we have a real problem in American medicine with the rate of burnout. The rate of burnout is north of 50%, like I said, when you're talking about in the low 20s or something like that for the average American working in wherever they're working. For the residents, we have a lot of evidence that when we get the medical students and residents in their situations, either in medical school or their residency, at orientation, they're psychologically healthier than their age appropriate college-educated peers, they quickly become more burned out, more depressed, less compassionate, less empathetic, more stressed, etc. There is a common thread, but there's more danger right now in the practicing physician
0: arena. So what do you think is the reason behind 50% of the practicing physicians are feeling stress or burnout? What do you think are some of the contributing causes to that?
1: The major problems are threefold. One is what it takes just to be a physician. Physicians deal with death, dying, disease, sickness on a daily basis, and most people really try to shy away from those things in their daily life. And physicians are doing something entirely meaningful with people, but it is harder than what most people want to do. The second piece is what we have put into the work environment that takes some of the joy and meaning away from work. One of those is the increased regulatory pressure that everybody is giving people. The next one is all of the issues related to billing, regulations, the electronic health record, which has such high potential to keep patients safer and to increase the quality of their experience, but the way it's been implemented, it just takes time. Right now, the estimate is that physicians are spending two hours of administrative time for every hour that they spend with a patient. When my father was a physician, and he was, the administrative time was probably about 15 minutes for every hour with a patient. And then the third piece I think we've touched on on the second piece, if you believe Daniel Pink that there are really three things that intrinsically motivate somebody in his book Drive, is intrinsically motivate people to do what they do, one is autonomy, the next one is development of mastery, And the third is connection to meaning or purpose. What physicians are experiencing right now is a decrease in their autonomy, not as much of a celebration of their developing mastery, and their disconnect from meaning. And the meaning that most physicians that I've talked to attribute to their being a physician is time with patients in depth to spend time with them, to really take a journey with them through their sickness and either bring them to health journey with them and shepherd them
0: through whatever they're going through. So this is being reflected in physician suicide rates, correct?
1: Yeah. The estimate is that about roughly 400 physicians a year take their own lives, die by suicide. To put that in perspective, there's two ways. That's roughly one a year, one a day for a year. Or to think about it differently, that's about three and a half average sized medical school classes that are graduating medical students to become physicians just to take the place of the physicians who took their life by suicide. It's a big problem. It is probably less of a problem in residency programs. However, the death of one trainee has an impact on everybody else that's left. Residency programs are different than most other work environments. In any work environment, it's difficult if a colleague takes their own life. But residency programs develop more than just a workplace environment, more than a community. They're like families, and they're families of healers. So it's a devastating impact if a family member dies by suicide, but it's an even more devastating effect when you're a healer and you give yourself messages like, I should have seen that. Why didn't I see that? So even though the suicide rate for residents is probably less than that of practicing physicians, It has a devastating effect that goes way beyond the event and has an effect for years and years and years in the residency programs.
0: So, Tim, what are some of the overall solutions we need to start applying to American medicine?
1: Right now, we understand pretty acutely what the issues are. You know, that 50 or more percent of physicians are burned out that over 20% are depressed, that there's a high level of stress. What we don't have as good a handle on is what are the solutions, and that's the next phase of what we're doing. The ACGME, the Accreditation Council for Graduate Medical Education, what we're trying to do with the ACGME is to bring people together to find the solutions that you asked me about. So we see as our responsibility at the ACGME to keep the focus globally, to light the spark, keep that spark lit, make sure that it burns really, really bright and convene and collaborate with as many groups as we can to come up with solutions. We think the problem is global and probably the solutions are local. What may work at Ohio State may not work at Jefferson, may not work at UCSF. What may work at Ohio State's orthopedic department may not work entirely, even though there will be common elements, may not work in the psych department or in the the family medicine department. We have a number of initiatives that we're doing to bring people together and focus on the future. One of those is we have an annual symposium where we bring about 200 people together from all areas of the medical education and medical practice world, residents, medical students, CEOs of hospitals, program directors, all of the heads of the Alphabet Soup organizations are part of that. We want to spark that collaboration moving forward, and we're committed to doing four more of those at our expense over the next four years. Our residents, who actually were the ones that probably were responsible for our attention on this, we have a resident council, have started a movement called the Back to Bedside Movement. We're helping them fund five initiatives at five different places in order to reinvigorate meaning in a resident's experience by taking them back to the bedside and we will be putting out a request for proposal pretty soon. Our residents will be doing that. We're working very, very closely with two other groups. There's a group called the Coalition for Physician Accountability. That is all of the medical education alphabet soup organizations, some NBME, the AMA, and I can tell you what those mean in a second if you want to know what those are. All the groups that have anything to do with assessment, accreditation, or certification gathered together, and we're, we're working together with them. On a really important notice, the National Academy of Medicine, which used to be known as the Institute on Medicine, has gathered together about 50 organizations, which are co-chaired by Darrell Kirsch from the AAMC, Dick Giselle from the National Academy of Medicine, and Tom Naska from the ACGME, to really, really tackle this problem in a global way to see if we can affect resident well-being. So we're working really strongly right now. What you'll find is that there's lots of pockets of activity that people have been doing and thinking they've been alone. We're trying to draw them together to do some research, to see what works, to actually feed other people's creativity, and to work closely with everybody. We know the ACGME is not the source of the solution. We think the genius is out in the community, like at Abington, where you are. What we want to do is help you develop that help you come to the conclusions. help you with good research, with collaboration with other people, and convening with the ACGME.
0: If you're just tuning in, my name is Dr. John Russell. And this is Clinician's Roundtable. We're speaking with Dr. Timothy Brigham on physician stress and burnout. I think one of the issues, and you and I as educators, I think it's it's very easy for us to dedicate part of our time to work with our young people on, on their issues. Do you have any thoughts for that doctor, that nurse practitioner who's listening right now, who's part of that 50 percent, who feels very stressed, very joyless in their job? What are some things that that individual clinician could do tomorrow? to maybe kind of regain some of that joy in their work?
1: There's a couple of answers to that, and and I'm glad that you brought up all your listeners because what we do see is that this is not a physician phenomenon. This is a physician of providers in what we call the clinical environment or the clinical learning environment. There's two components to anything related to burnout and stress, and that's what the individual brings to the equation and what the environment brings to the equation. Individually, we can help people develop resilience in lots of different ways, uh, by taking care of themselves in lots of different ways, getting enough exercise, of course, and practicing things that would elicit a relaxation response, meditation, prayer, gardening. I mean, you can do it in lots of different ways. Taking care of yourself, connecting with people. There really are three Cs that we can use on the individual level. That's control, connection, and commitment. First one is, is control the things that you can control, and let go of the things you can't. We usually spend time doing the opposite, trying to control the one things we can't and not controlling the things that we can. The second is connection with people. Don't isolate yourself. Connect, 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 connect. What our residents, when they did a, a three-hour group project on what would be the most important thing a residency program could do for them in terms of increasing their well-being, the number one thing that they said is having somebody, a faculty member, a fellow resident, or whatever, put their hand on their shoulder and ask, how are you doing, and really want to know the answer. So being there for other people, one of the things that, John, I think you'll agree is that most physicians have one personality characteristic that differentiates them from the rest of the world, that they think they're the only person in the room that's a true fraud. They have levels of self-doubt that exceed that of the general population. Being able to be a little bit vulnerable with other people and not putting on that Superman sort of or Superwoman or Wonder Woman sort of veneer actually can help you make it through a day, help you make it through a week, help you make it through a rotation, help you make it through a difficult patient. The other piece is continuing to commit to the meaning that brought you there in the first place and reminding yourself of why you're there. Viktor Frankl wrote a great book called Man's Search for Meaning. Viktor Frankl was a Viennese psychiatrist who was uh, imprisoned in a concentration camp in World War II. He spent most of his time there trying to figure out what it was that helped some people survive and some people didn't have and found out that it was a connection to meaning or hope for the future that really was the thing that helped survival the most. So you can have a very unsatisfactory existence if you keep in touch with meaning. And what means something most to most physicians I talk to is that engagement with the patient, is that engagement with the person who's in front of you who you're going to help journey through their journey. On the other side, what the residents and faculty members and practicing physicians and nurse practitioners and pharmacists, et cetera, can do is work actively in the environment to change what's happening in the environment. Being a physician, being a nurse, being a pharmacist in a high-stakes environment has a lot of inherent stress in it. What we don't want to do is we don't want to add to that artificially. If the group can get together and work together to begin to say, how can we change this environment where there isn't the same stigma attached to when somebody admits that they're vulnerable, But we do cover for each other when we're in times of distress. And we do it gladly and we know that that person may not pay me back, but sooner or later the environment is set up so much that it focuses on all of our well-being. So the creation of that environment and being engaged in that creation and not looking at it as something that's happening to you, But really engaging is an important, important thing.
0: I think one of the things that's important in my practice and my residency program is the concept of one plus one. At the end of the day, can you think of one person you helped and one thing you learned? And that's not a bad way to live your life. At the end of every day, you you helped one person and you learned one thing. That's not a bad way to, to get in your car to head home.
1: I think that's beautiful. At the end of every day... Every person that you interact with, all your physicians, whether they're residents, medical students, whether they're nurses, social workers, pharmacists, or practicing physicians, can look back and say, no matter how satisfactory the day was, I helped a person. I helped people. I helped people move forward. I think one of the more moving examples of that that I ever heard was I was at Lancaster General Hospital one time, and Nick Servanas, who was one of the deans of family medicine in the nation, heard myself and a group of family physicians who were just playing the why me card, woe is me, woe is me, talking about the death of a patient, and Nick coming in and talking about how meaningful it is to shepherd a patient through their own death experience. Not only meaningful to the patient, how meaningful it was to him. And every one of us was weeping at the end of that story. But you as a physician, you as a nurse, you as a social worker, you as a pharmacist, Interact with people at the most acute meaning levels of their lives. We're all writing a book with our lives. And in my book, I'm the hero. In your book, you're the hero. And we reluctantly, if ever, turn the pen over to somebody. When we get sick, when we get worried, when we get anxiety-ridden is one of the few times we turn that pencil or pen over, and we always turn it over to somebody in a white coat or a white uniform, or somebody who is in the hospital, and we say, write this next paragraph, this next sentence, this next chapter for us. It's an incredibly important thing for people to realize and can be very meaningful.
0: That's a very beautiful way to end. So I want to thank you, Dr. Timothy Brigham, for being on the show today, Clinicians Roundtable, and thank you very much.
1: Thank you. Pleasure to be here.
0: This is Dr. John Russell. To download this program or others in this series, please visit ReachMD.com. Thanks again for listening.